Hello, hello. Welcome to Invisible Tears. I'm Jane, and I'm here with both my co-hosts this time, Amanda and Drew. Drew has missed a few of them, so we're so happy to have him on today. Yes, Hi, Amanda. Hi, Drew. Hello. Hey. So we're going to switch it up a little bit today. You know, you, you get talking about true crime and unsolved cases and the horrible thing that uh, the horrible things that true crime presents. Um, sometimes you need a break. And I thought today would be uh, a perfect time to give true crime a break. Um, one of the things I want to do is I really want to talk about our podcast and what it represents and what we're doing and why we're doing uh, Invisible Tears. Um, we started off Invisible Tears with uh, sharing my story and what happened to me and talked about PTSD and mental health and and that stuff. I was very candid about everything about myself right down to my hemorrhoids. <laughs> so I, I, um, <laughs> and then we started um, interviewing some guests. Um, one guest was um, Chloe that advocates for Trish Haynes, which her case is still unsolved. And um, we had Julie on that advocates for her sister, Maura, uh, Maura Mori. And, and obviously her case is still unsolved and, and they're still, you know, Maura's still missing. And um, I, I quickly realized that I, I'm not advocating for myself as much as I should be or for, um, you know, the Connecticut River Valley girls, um, the other victims of the serial killer that attacked me. So um, we really started diving into advocating and we did the rally up in Concord, which was huge. It was yes. way bigger than what we ever expected. It accomplished way more than what we ever expected. Um, it's my understanding that still many families um, have met with the AG office up in Concord, New Hampshire, yeah. Uh, because of the rally. So that was great. Do we call it a success? Yeah, I guess we do call it a success. Um, I think so. We made it possible for them, some of the families to come to the podium and talk about their loved ones and their loved ones cases that were still unsolved or the loved ones that were missing and still missing. I, I think it's really important to note that we are not investigative journalists. <laughs> By there's, no means. We never claimed, to, never claimed to be. Yep. Um, but what we like to do is um, talk about cases that are unsolved so people don't forget. Most of our cases are 30 plus years old. A lot of people that listen to our podcast didn't even know about my case mm -hmm. until they started listening to our podcast. Um, or the Connecticut, they never, when we went down to Florida for CrimeCon, a lot of people down there never heard about the Connecticut River Valley uh, serial killer. So, you know, we, we have started to really transform our podcast to talking about unsolved cases. Mm -hmm. um, now, again, we are not investigative journalists. We find our information online like everybody else. Sometimes we are lucky enough to contact a family member, a friend, or someone else that can add extra information to a case that we are um, talking about that is unsolved. 
we try not to read a script. Mm-hmm. We try to be very real about it. And it's not our, our job to solve these cases. That's not why we do it. We don't do this to try to solve our case, solve these cases. What we try to do is give people, family members or, or advocates, a platform to share their loved one's story so people know that they're still unsolved. Maybe somebody out there knows something, hears their story on our podcast and say, hey, I, I heard somebody talking about that case. I think I have information I can come forward with. I mean, that's a possibility. And and if that ever happens, that's great. But we've had quite a few, um, I, I've read quite a few comments online that um, sometimes we don't add new information to our our um, episodes. We're not trying to. Right. Sometimes we just happen to come across new information and we, we are able to share it. Right. We try very hard to tell the story of an unsolved case with facts. Mm-hmm. And we're opinionated sometimes about, about these cases that we talk about. Yeah. Um, Drew has been amazing. Drew, you are amazing with some of the the stuff that you've um, you've come up with, with, um, you know, possible uh, answers to some questions to some of these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we do. And, and that's why we have Invisible Tears is to give people a platform to talk about unsolved cases. So with that said, again, we are not investigative journalists. Um, you know, Unlike Jen Amel, she was amazing with Dark Valley. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Um, she is an amazing investigative journalist. Yes, she is. Um, and a great storyteller. And, and I'm not saying that her podcast is any better than ours. Ours is any better than hers. We're different. But between us and Jen Amel, all we're trying to do is get the stories out and possibly get more information or different information or people to come forward with information um, so the authorities can investigate, you know, new tips or whatever. So uh, that's what our podcast is about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we did some um, mental health. Mm -hmm. Drew did an amazing episode on um, mental health with men. Yeah. Um, I, I just loved it. The insight drew you put into that episode was just eye opening. I absolutely loved it. Amanda, you did an excellent, uh, episode on body dysmorphia. dysmorphia. Yes. Um, you know, everybody has their thing here and, and you guys sharing your stories, just like I've shared my story. I am just so thankful that we have this platform to share this stuff. Um, I've gotten, you know, we get emails all the time. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for, you know, being so open and and, uh, transparent. Um, You two have been just as transparent with the things that you guys have experienced as I have been. And, you know, I think that's what makes our podcast a little different than other true crime podcasts. Mm -hmm. Now our podcast may not be for everybody. We understand that, (laughs) but um, 
this is what we want to do. And, and we just hope that, you know, the people that want to follow us um, like what we're doing. Most of our feedback has been great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I have read a, a few negative things and, you know, I'm sorry if our podcast isn't for you. I, I apologize for that. But yeah, I don't apologize for that because, you know, for the first time in my life, this is our podcast and we can say and do whatever we want with it. We try to do positive with it, with sharing unsolved cases and talking about mental health. So that's what we're going to continue to do. Um, but today we're going to switch it up a little bit. <laughs> I wish we had that button. Wish we had a button there for <laughs> the sound, for sound effect. <laughs> sound effects like Tim. We'll get one <laughs> with Crossface Media. Yeah. I want to. Oh God, can you see me with that button? <laughs> <laughs> We'd have to take the buttons away from Jane. <laughs> She'd just be using them all the time. You'd have to put tape on the only ones that I can use. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to switch it up. Um, I've been very transparent. Everybody knows just about everything about me. But I, I'm sure you do too, but I want to learn a little bit more about Amanda and Drew. And I really, really want people to know, because I don't think people realize these are the two most intelligent people I've ever met. Oh, <laughs> They are so intelligent. You know, I say it all the time. I couldn't do this podcast without them. That is so, that's the truth. That's a fact. And, and they work so hard on my podcast. So today, that's why I want to make, kind of make this podcast about them. Get to know Drew and Amanda. So did you guys have anything else to add with what I was talking about earlier? I really just think that you summarized it really great, Jane. Like I understand based off of the content and especially about your story and the Connecticut River Valley cases, why we're looped into the true crime realm. So I understand some of the feedback of people being like, well, we don't like the way you're doing overviews or or that sort of thing. But you making the distinction that none of us are actual investigative journalists, just so everyone's aware. And the reason why we're putting these cases out there is simply for visibility and for advocacy, because that is the purpose of what we're doing. We're, we're advocates. You know, I think you summarized it actually really great. Thank you. All right. So we're going to get to know Drew and Amanda. Yeah. See, <laughs> it's the button. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with Drew. Drew. Where did you grow up and talk about school, high school, school? Grew up in Hinsdale, New Hampshire. Uh, Went to high school there, elementary school, everything. Uh, I was a three-sport athlete, uh, playing soccer, basketball, and baseball. Kick-ass soccer player. That was your main sport, was soccer or baseball? I always, obviously, I loved playing baseball more, but soccer, I was just natural at it. Oh, Um, you were so talented. yeah. Yeah. Um, and that actually carried over and I played two years of college uh, soccer uh, before injuries really took their toll on me, tore my ACL freshman year right at the end of training camp and then back injury the following year and just never fully recovered from it. So I ended up having to give up playing sports at that high level then. Um, and that was at Nichols College when I went to school. And that's where? Dudley, Mass., which is right outside of Worcester, uh, right on the Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts border. Um, great little school, little business school, uh, major. It's a fantastic business school, actually. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
majored in accounting there, graduated from there in 2008. Now, I remember, didn't you first go for um, sports medicine? No, it was always accounting. Um, I started taking accounting. accounting classes in high school and knew that that was kind of the route that I was going to go. Uh, I was always good with numbers, so it was just kind of a natural segue. How about you, Amanda? So I was born in a small town in northern Vermont, <laughs> um, a small town that didn't even have a hospital. So I was born in the next town over, but small town Vermont. And then I moved to this area when I was about nine. So much of my, you know, childhood was like camping and three wheeling and you know, playing in the woods and playing on Lake Champlain because um, it was right up around that area. Um, and then so once I moved to this area, I went to all the Keene schools, graduated from Keene High, much like I was grinning when Drew was talking about the how in high school he took the accounting and knew that he was going to pursue that, um, that I was actually much the same way. Actually, the first accounting course that I took in high school, I think I was a sophomore and I started tutoring the seniors in it while I was taking it. So I just knew um, I was always really, really good at math. I'm pretty good at school. So I just knew that I was going to go into business and accounting. Um, so I ended up doing that. I started at Keene State and I went there for a couple of years, uh, majoring in business management. And then I took a few years off, focused on working. I was working at a bank at the time in internal operations. And then once I realized I really needed that. Ooh, that sounds so official. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was the internal operations place. It was basically like, the back offices where they put in all the information for the customers and stuff like that. And I help them with all their conversions. That's another thing. I've always been like a computer person too. My dad worked for IBM literally his entire life and retired from there. So, wow. you know, he's a computer programmer and networker and stuff like that. So I've always had like computers around. I was lucky enough to actually have that. My dad and I have actually built a computer together before. Uh, we're nerds. That's crazy. Uh, I know. <laughs> we're nerds. But, well, let's talk about nerds. Did you party in school? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I was such a troublemaker. <laughs> so that's the thing that's interesting about me is that um, I definitely, oh, I was so, I was so rambunctious and I was so defiant. I was always good, like good grades in school and actually got done what I needed to get done. But I was definitely somebody that pushed the envelope. I was always questioning authority. I was really rebellious. I'm I think about some of the situations and I'm like, how did I make it out of that? How did my mother not kill me? Um, <laughs> I experienced and I did a lot. Um, luckily for me, everything still lined up. I was still actually able to finish school. I was still able to, um, I actually ended up going back to college actually completely online through American Intercontinental University and was able to actually get my degree while I was working full time and graduate with a 4.0. So I have a bachelor's degree in business administration uh, with a specialization in accounting and finance from there. So that was my initial career, right? So many people on here know me as like the life coach and like the medium <laughs> and the <laughs> um, that exploration kind of came, I would say probably my, my spiritual journey probably started like in my 20s. I was really trying to figure out who I was and trying to figure out what was up with me. I always felt different, like really, really different, like kind of knew that I had abilities, but didn't have anybody to talk to about it. 
So that path really started in my 20s. And then I would say probably by the time that I was 30, I was really exploring Reiki, really exploring spirituality and like developing, you know, abilities and stuff like that. And so I really just sort of switched career focuses into, you know, what I what I do now, the life coaching, the Reiki practitioner or master, I should say. Let's get back to the partying. So obviously when you were in college, you were old enough to hit the bar scenes. Mm -hmm. Did you hit the bars a lot? I did. I was always, it was actually kind of funny. Once I turned 21, I would have a routine where, especially growing up in like Keene, there are enough bars where like each night a different bar would have like a different special or something going on. By the time I was 21 and out with my friends, also all my friends have always been like older than me, like a few years older than me. It's weird. I'm like really good friends with everybody that graduated with my brother who's four years older than me. <laughs> so how many siblings do you have? Technically, I have three. Um, so I have a brother that I grew up with. He's four years older than me. And then I have a half brother and sister who are twins who are 16, actually. My dad ended up getting remarried um, and they started a family. So my oh. daughter is actually super close in age to my little brother and sister. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> wow americanized family right there <laughs> now drew getting back to you for a minute yes did were you inducted how do i say it inducted into the honor society at the high school in hinsdale national honor society yes yeah yep. the national yep. honor society yep yep got so, that junior year yeah, and that's basically just due to grades, doing something within the community. In my case, it was being um, athlete pretty much was, you know, that with grades. Um, and also at the time I was pizza delivery. So I delivered to, you know, pizzas to absolutely everybody in the town. Everybody knew me. Um, yeah. Yep. So, yep. So I did that. Did you party in school? In high school? Not too, too much. Um, oh, come on. I know your mother's listening, but you can be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, in high school, not too, too much. Occasional it was more college. Here and there, college, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, college, you let loose. Yeah, because at the time, sports was really important to me, and I didn't want to yeah. risk, you know, there was teammates that would get kicked off because they got caught smoking weed and stuff like that, and I was like, eh, I don't really want to risk it. Um, yeah, not worth and then, it. Yeah, and it's funny, you say that my mother's listening, because I remember growing up, she always used to be like, don't do any drugs or anything while you're in high school. Once you're in college, do absolutely everything to get it out of your system. Try absolutely everything. <laughs> so I was like, hell yeah, I will definitely, you know, <laughs> definitely wait. And then college. Now you have two siblings because yep. we just uh, talked about Amanda's siblings. Yep. So you have two siblings. Yeah. Marcus is the crazy one. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> See, Marcus's personality and my personality when we were younger, I even remember telling Drew this. Like, if we had actually known each other, like when we were younger, we would have been trouble. Like, <laughs> that's how much our personalities were like when I was younger. I was younger. Marcus, uh, Marcus is so social. Yeah, like, he is. He can go anywhere and just fit in. He can fit in anywhere. Mm -hmm. Anywhere. True. That million. guy bowls. He 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 can bowl and and hang out on the couch and watch TV and and next day he could get up and get all dressed up and go play golf. And I don't mean miniature golf because that's what I play is miniature golf. But he would go and play golf. 
with these like freaking rich people. It's like he he just can fit in with anybody at any time, anywhere. I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. Now, how would you ex- how would you describe Paige? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> He's like, how do I summarize this? Tammy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Marcus was my dad. Paige was my mom. Absolutely. I and you are somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I would I would totally actually agree with that assessment. What's interesting is yeah. as Jane was explaining Marcus, obviously knowing the family so well, as Jane was explaining Marcus, so much of that like sociable and almost like chameleon-like personality, I saw it so much when you were like dealing with customers when we had our physical retail location. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I saw how you would interact with people and I was like, oh, it I I could see yeah. those pieces. Yeah, yeah, totally. You're definitely a mix of both. I would most definitely say that I'm a mix of, well, I am a mix between my mom and my dad, but the older that I get, the more I'm realizing how much how much more I'm actually like my father. I'm actually a lot like my father <laughs> in a lot of aspects. I don't know if you still have that picture up on your Facebook, Drew, but I love that picture. of You're in your college dorm jumping off a of bed or something <laughs> like that. That's oh, not his profile yeah. picture anymore, but you should. What is the story behind that? There's got to be a story <laughs> behind that. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So even leading up to that story, it's college, sophomore, sophomore year, right before spring break, I had actually gotten the flu and so bad that I actually got hospitalized uh, from it. Um, I was oh, I out remember with that. the flu for like a good week. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't go to the doctors because I was just a college student and whatever it'll pass it'll pass and it just didn't end up having to get the ivs and kidneys were close to getting shut down and that was right at the beginning of a spring break i was like okay started feeling better at the end of the spring break and me and my dad i was finally you know okay let me get up and get out and go do some stuff my dad's like hey let's go four-wheeling it's like sure haven't been out you know yet this spring so we go out on the um power lines out riding and going through a mud pit dad goes through no problem i go through right behind him and all of a sudden i hit a uh, stump that was underneath the water couldn't see it and it caught the edge of the tire and when it did it jerked the handlebars so much it actually broke three bones right in between my wrist and my hand and sitting there i was like oh motherfucker that you know that hurt you know didn't know what was up but there was no swelling no bruising it just definitely didn't feel right and of course when i hit the stump Blew the tire out, dented the rim. So I was in there with a flat tire. And my dad's like, ah, just, just don't my- do anything small. <laughs> yeah. Just, he, my dad's like, oh, take my four wheeler, go back to the house, get the air pump, come back because he'll just sit with the old one, have a beer, smoke a little bit, just relax. I'm like, okay, I'll go through it. Didn't really, didn't think anything was broken at the time. Just thought it, you know, my wrist was really sore. So I get to the house, get the air pump, we get back, get the um, four wheeler all fixed get it brought back to the house a couple hours later i'm sitting there with you know talking to my mom and dad and i'm like still this just doesn't feel right i think something's wrong with the wrist still no swelling no bruising no nothing mom's like fine i'll get you in the car freaking <laughs> pussy there's absolutely nothing wrong with you we're just wasting time going to the er you were just in the er earlier this week for you know um for the flu what suck the it hell? up buttercup <laughs> yeah no blood 
walk it off. And normally that's exactly how I treat stuff. Right. You know, I've broken yeah. my toes before, you know, playing soccer. It's just, you just let it heal. Mm-hmm. This one yeah. I could tell, like, eh. it was weird because I still had movement, but the pain, it was, it was definitely something whole time. Yeah. Nothing wrong with you. I know I were this. Da, da, da. <laughs> Get there. Sure enough, take an x-ray. Doctor comes in and goes to my mom. Well, I think you might have to eat some words. He's broken three bones. <laughs> and the cast that you have to have is going to go from your fingertips all the way up to just below his shoulder. So my arm was at like an angle to keep the wrist <sighs> immobilized. And I was, so I had this huge ass cast on me. And the funniest thing is, is a doctor came in and was like, do you want some morphine? Hell yeah. Shoot me up with morphine. <laughs> I don't mind. I'll take that free. <laughs> and my mom was like, wait, you just had morphine when you went in for the flu because the flu was so bad they actually gave me morphine um to try to give my just to give me to try to relax and calm down yeah, um rest so I was like, system yeah and uh, i was like no oh, you've already had morphine and the doctor's like yeah you still want some fuck yeah like, <laughs> <we have some." laughs> not that much pain but i won't turn down free morphine so <laughs> uh get back to college and it was i lived in a suite with six people and uh, two different rooms. And so how we had me and my two other roommates on our side of the room, we wanted to make sure that there was enough room so we'd have our beer pong table, a um, couple other, you know, have asshole going on, card game. So we always wanted to make sure that we had enough room. So we triple stacked our beds. Normally you do bunk beds, but we were able to do three levels, putting them on top of one another. And right at the foot of it was a futon, a metal futon with a little mattress on it. And I don't know, we just got raging one night, music was going on, and it was the whole, fuck it, let's just stave dive off of the top of the bunk beds <laughs> onto the futon down below. No real rhyme or reason. If we had a table, we would have definitely been doing the Bill's Mafia thing and just jumping yeah. on the table, but <laughs> didn't have that. And yeah, so I was just raging out, we were listening to music, and stage dive came, and What's yeah, when my friends took a picture... I think it was a census fail song. I was going to say yeah, it had to have been a census fail song. Yeah. Bite to break skin. Census mm-hmm. fail. Yep. And he just captured a perfect of me midair, completely um, horizontal with my cast. You can see it perfectly <laughs> as I'm just, you know, at the time it was like what 12 feet in the air, just yeah. to jump down onto a stupid <laughs> trampoline or you look like you're trying to be Superman flying <laughs> through the air. Yeah. Do you still have that up on your page? Or oh, it, it might it be your profile. It's oh, in your photos. It's in your photos. photos. Yeah. And it's, I think his profile picture is actually different now, but you should actually tr- totally throw it up for the visual for the YouTube for this. Cause yeah, I know it's yeah. in your photos since it was your profile picture yeah. before. It's a great picture. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I got to hear the story behind that photo. Oh yeah. I would do stupid shit like that all the time. I mean, <laughs> break guitars over my head when just, just for fun. Oh. And <laughs> yep. Oh, Oh, no guitar, no guitars. I, I would never be able to do that just because that I, oh, oh, I love playing. I play bass and, um, and guitar too. I would never be able to, I understand being in the moment and stuff like that and like breaking stuff, but I'd never be able to actually break one. That's one thing I've never been able to do. And I yep. think that all brings baby back. This brings me down to you guys' music selection. <laughs> You guys love the same music. So what music do you listen to? Who's your favorite bands? And who have you seen? Who have you met? 
Oh my God. I don't even know if either one of us can actually, we were talking about this the other day. We should, we should have probably like when we were younger, actually like made lists because I have to be honest with you. I can't tell you the amount of concerts I've been to and the amount of bands I've at hundreds, hundreds, possibly, possibly over a thousand. Um, Led to tons. Now, and you tons guys of shows. have gone to a lot of. You guys have gone to a lot of concerts together because you guys started off working together, and had like the same group of people that you guys hung out with. Yep, we were basically concert buddies. Dating. We would, yeah. yeah, we would always yeah. go to whatever you know, Ozfest or Mayhem Fest there was, uh, yep. stuff like that. So, yep. yep. Whenever, uh, yep, whatever Ozfest or Mayhem was happening was better for the year. Like we would always make sure and go to pretty much whenever Slipknot would come around, we would yep. make sure and get to that together. Yeah. I mean, because when Drew and I first met, I mean, I had only started at CNS slightly before uh, when he actually started and we worked in the same department very quickly. I can't even remember how the subject actually came up. Actually, was it the rancid CD on my desk? Yep. Yes. <laughs> that was so funny because we knew that each other like really listened to like metal, but rancid is punk, right? Rancid's like original punk. And he saw a rancid CD like on my desk, like I'm totally dating us, right? Like back when we actually used to have CDs on our <laughs> desks, <laughs> not like <laughs> totally. MP3 players or totally. anything. <laughs> But he saw it and he was like, and he was like, well, wait, what? And I was like, well, yeah, I like I like punk too. You know, that's like what I originally started like listening to when I first started playing bass. And he was like, we very quickly realized that, yes, we we love metal. We love rock. We love punk. But even our tastes in like rap or like any even some country, like we actually have almost the same exact taste across genres of of uh music which is really eclectic and weird i would say would you say yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i would what's what is the last song you guys or who did you guys listen to the last band you listened to on your earpods we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors and now back to our episode uh falling in reverse for me uh, falling in Falling in Reverse. Uh, they're definitely like a metal band, and it was probably a popular monster. How about you, Joe? Oh, God. Are you um, listen to mostly podcasts now, don't you? Kind Where's of, but D- I still go on my music binges. Uh, still a D- huge music fan. Um, yeah, definitely it, weird. Like uh, Over the last like week, it's been Kid Cudi I've been checking out. I've oh. never listened to him. It's good. I like it. No, it's so metal. I'm trying to think. Uh, that's Heavy actually metal. It's rap. 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 Yeah. rap yep Ooh. see i didn't know that you listened to country either i don't listen to, I, I didn't i don't not. listen to too much country country yeah. is the i would say surprisingly growing up in new hampshire mm-hmm. and my family's all country fans yeah it's the one music genre that i stay most away from mm-hmm. um it's got to be something really catchy yeah. um i would like say who? Like, I, as far as the last couple of years, the one song that really I was like, oh, shit, that's a good one was the Oliver Anthony. And I think everybody would agree that song yeah. is just absolutely it's good. Yeah. Transcends yeah. being like country or anything like that. But yeah, as far as country goes, I could say the only artist that I really will listen to all the time is Johnny Cash. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's definitely quite a, quite a bit of like country slash rap kind of like crossovers right now, too, that I think yeah. that you actually jive with it. Oh, and yeah. I most definitely do too. 
Yeah. It's just, it's so interesting though, to actually have some like punk metal rock, you know, rap, but then also have this. So both Drew and I actually have the roots of having parents that listen to like, you know, the originals of the country and everything like that too, because I mean, we both grew up small town. Like, I mean, that's, that's basically what everyone listened to. So it's even, even yeah. back to like roots. I remember it, my dad really wasn't into country all that, but it was more so my mom. But I remember my dad was always like the classics. It was like ACDC, CCR, yeah. you See, know what I mean? I'm all about classic rock. Yep. Love yeah. quiet I, rock. I like, love, oh my God. Rock. I just love it. Yeah. Love it. I like, I, I love country too. Um, but if, if to go back to what I really love is, is, Mm-hmm. definitely um classic rock yeah yeah i find myself definitely. whenever i'm listening to any song or any type of music regardless of whatever like genre it is because i because i am a musician um or at least i used to be i really don't have too too much time to play anymore but i find myself picking apart like the song like the different like being able to hear like the different pieces and if a song is actually made like compiled in like a really like in like a good way, like good pieces of it. I like it. It's like a, a an appreciation for music because I know how it's how all the how, what goes into actually making all the pieces that actually create a song. Yeah. Well, for me, it's like classic rock. I Every time I hear especially particular songs, it so brings me back to my teen years. Mm-hmm. And my teen years were probably some of my best years because that was just like. I had so much fun back then. Just uh, I was partied and high all the time, and, <laughs> and all. <laughs> never. I didn't really drink until I was in my twenties. Mm-hmm. So, but listening to all the classic rock and, and especially particular songs, I'll be driving down the road. I'll hear a particular song, and it's like that. That memory immediately hits my head of. I can tell you exactly what I was doing in my teen years when I heard that song, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that's why um, classic rock just makes me smile and I love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Drew, did you ever play any instruments? I didn't. I mean, I dr- bought a drum set a couple of years ago um, just to, you know, bang around on, but I never, I never thought I had that musical rhythm talent. So I'd never tried playing an instrument. And he so does would love being a musician but never had never had the desire to join like a school band mm-hmm. i'm like oh i didn't either. that yeah. doesn't yeah. doesn't do anything for me didn't interest you as far as, like, you were more band, into sports more into sports and then as far as like there weren't any bands in town there weren't any high school you know classmates that there was only one classmate of mine that was a true musician um kyle minkler he was able to play absolutely anything he picked up on yeah. um but i never had that a desire to kind of learn or never thought I would be good at it. So I'm like, Nope, I'm going to suck at it. I'm not even going to try it. I'm just going to listen to it. Yeah. See, he can, he's a natural at the drums and I know that he has a natural ability for bass too, just because of the way he keeps beat. See, and I never think. Do you dance? Keep beat. Do you dance? White boy dance. <laughs> he does some fantastic. <laughs> That's actually, I actually, I love to dance and a lot of people actually don't know. That, <laughs> that, um, actually like when I was younger, I was actually a ballerina, which a lot of people can't actually imagine. I was really, really good at ballet. And then when I moved to this area, I didn't really find a place that, um, 
really offered that all that much back then. And so I got into hip hop, <laughs> hip hop dance. I just, I absolutely I love hip hop. I just absolutely love dancing. And I'm not saying I'm a good dancer, but you know, by any means, but I, I love dancing. I love anything, dancing, expressive, you know, artistic music, that sort of thing. I was a cheerleader in school. Believe I was not. too. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, I loved it. I, I, I wasn't into band. I think I played saxophone for like a couple of months and I didn't like band. I wasn't really into sports that much. But I, I did cheerleading. Nice. Nice. Cool. Did you do it all through high school? Well, actually, no, I only did it for about a year because we moved around a lot. Yep. That's so right. I went to like 18 different schools and my senior year was just crap. like a total crap show. And yeah, they couldn't find my uh, my credits and they wanted me to do another year for credits and it was just oh, a crap wow. show and I ended up quitting school mm-hmm. but um there was one particular school in Connecticut that I went to um I think I was in like ninth grade I was a freshman and um I tried out they were having cheerleading tryouts mm-hmm. I said oh, I'll try out and I got picked and I absolutely loved it. So um, nice. yeah, I did it for that one, one school year. Nice. And then when I went to, uh, when we transferred and I went to another school, I don't know. I just, I didn't feel like I fit in. Yeah. So, you know, I just, um, the school that I, that I went to after that one was very, very clicky I was, yeah. and uh, just didn't feel like I fit in and, and really didn't know how long we were going to be there because, we moved around so much. So yeah. uh, I didn't bother. But yeah, let me see. Drew, mountains, ocean. What would you pick and why? Old mountains or warm mountains? Well, <laughs> question. <laughs> Let's say mountains up, you... mountains up here, I am fucking done with. <laughs> mountains in the lower Appalachians, I'm all for and would take that over the ocean. But now if it's ocean versus cold mountains up here, I'll take the ocean. Instead of saying ocean, beach. Mountains. Mountains? You would live in the mountains versus on the beach. Why? I'm not a beach-going person. I don't swim. The only thing that I would enjoy being around a beach would be to be able to fish. Because I do like fishing. So that would be the only positive in my mind. I'm not going to be, I'm not one to go sit out in the sun or. What would you do in the mountains? Probably the same, much of the same. Nothing. I don't do much. <laughs> I really wouldn't do anything, no matter where I live. Well, you did try to start um, a little homestead. Yeah. Um, that actually, cool. that was a couple of years before the pandemic started. We did, Amanda and I did try a homestead. And it was really more of a, not to be self-sustaining, it was more of a challenge to see, could we do it? Yeah. I've always had these thoughts of, I call them high thoughts, just sitting there at night going, what would life be like if I lived in this time period? What would I be doing? How would I survive? What would it entail? Mm-hmm. So with that mindset going, okay, if shit did hit the fan or if you were relegated down to having to survive, would I be able to? What would it entail? What would it take? And at the time, um, both man and I we were working um, in corporate finance. So as far as income and everything, that was no problem. It was just additional time to 
So we got a couple of pigs, quite a few chickens, started gardening, beehive, I tried a bunch of stuff. Beehive, unfortunately, got tagged by the black bear before I was able to get a electric fence put up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pigs, we ended up having them for about five years. Mm-hmm. Just, just got rid of them, the last of them, uh, earlier this year when we were finally, you know, after our businesses had to close and we just had to downsize and try to simplify our lives a little bit, got rid of the, um, the pigs. And then uh, we still had some remaining chickens until bear came back again earlier this spring and destroyed the coop to get into it. And we had one yeah. lone rooster left. So we were able to find a farm a couple towns over that uh, was looking for a, a friendly rooster. Yeah. Um, and he was yeah. such a good yeah. boy. Oh, oh my, my little goodness. dude. Such I a mellow in, dude. He would come running across the street to, you know, come would, say hi to me. And... He would try to get in the car to go on rides with us. He would like... We were we were always told that like the male of the boar, or if you get a rooster, that they're gonna be miserable. You have to be careful aggressive, of them. aggressive, yeah. all that. And the rooster I had, he was the least aggressive out of all the chickens. He was mm-hmm. the friendliest. I could literally pick him up and walk around with him. I could scratch him underneath his beak. I could do absolutely everything. He didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Same with the pigs. Yep. The females we had, they could be a little mm-hmm. more aggressive at times. The boar that we had, oh God, he was the friendliest goddamn dude. He would walk yep. around with me. He would, there was zero aggression mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yep. We, we luck out when it comes to animals as far as their personalities. I think it all has to do with they're around you a lot. You know, they're not just put in a coop, seen twice a day to feed or whatever. You guys spent time with them. I think that's got a lot to do with it. So, Amanda. Yeah. The beach or the Mm -hmm. mountains. That's super hard. Super, super hard. Because, man, do I love going to the beach. I really, really do. But I would probably actually choose mountains, to be honest with you. I need to be around trees. <laughs> I really do. I need to be around trees. So I would probably choose mountains. Now, if you said mountains or a lake, I would probably choose lake. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, don't get yeah. me wrong. I love the ocean. I'm actually a fish. I love swimming too. But I actually grew up like on a lake. Love going to the ocean. Love Love visiting the ocean. Love going to the beach. Love going on like vacations, going to like tropical places. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's great. But as far as like living environment, yeah, it would probably be, it would be mountains. Drew, if you had your choice to go anywhere on vacation and do whatever you wanted, see whatever you wanted, where would your destination be? As far as going to visit, I would love to go to Ireland um, to visit, you know, go to the motherland. Motherland. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, just to see, you know, just to see that. And I know that there's still some family over there. I know my cousins, you know, interacted with family members over there. So that'd be kind of cool. Um, but as far as like a vacation spot, just to kind of see stuff, uh, Rome. And Rome. I'm not necessarily, I would say not necessarily for the Catholic side of things, but more for just being able to see the old Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you like history? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I definitely became a history buff. And surprisingly enough, it was after I was towards the tail end of my college schooling and kind of when I got out of school is when I kind of developed this love for history. When Jane was talking about, you know, what is it What is it that we bring to the podcast? What is our show about? And she brought up the fact that none of us are investigative journalists. And, you know, here in this episode, you can definitely hear that with me and Amanda, our backgrounds being in finance, 
Jane's background. We're not journalists. We don't try to find everything. But I think what we can do and bring is questions. Different. So I'd say, you know, with my background in finance, a lot of it is scenario planning. That's where I definitely kind of, it's my forte, is scenario planning, forecasting, and stuff like that. So I'm always trying to look at all the different avenues of a story just to see what the what the outcome might be if you take this route, this route, and this route. What, what will the end results possibly look like? Yeah. So with the Connecticut River Valley case in particular, because I'd say that that's the one case that we are really, if we would be considered to be deep diving into a case, that would be the one. And I definitely think, especially during our reactions to Dark Valley, that's what I was trying to bring about, you know, with our reactions was, all right, we found out this one new piece of information. What does it mean? Does it mean anything? Does it mean a lot? Does it mean a little? And are we looking too much into it or does it mean anything? Yeah. Yeah. So like, Jane, with your with your attack in particular, one thing that's always you know, been on my mind is how did he show up? Where did he come from? Mm-hmm. So with that, I know the Gamarlo's parking lot. All right. So there are really four options in which the guy could have come from. There's the back parking lot out almost like in front of the wood line. There's the side of the post office on the other side of Gamarlo's or there's route 10 coming from Winchester or coming from Keene. Only four ways for the guy to pull into the parking lot to attack you that night. Nobody knows the answer. Everybody in their mind is it was Route 10, but nobody actually knows that. You said you saw him pulling into the into the parking lot, right? No, I seen him pull next to me and park. Pull next to you to park. Yep. So every, and I'm making assumptions here, but everybody would assume it was he was coming down Route 10 and then pulled into the parking lot. But we don't know that. All we know is he pulled in beside you. And that car could have come from any of those four directions that I kind of outlined. So with that, it's going, okay, if he was on the side of the post office, what would have made him sitting there? What would have made him pull out and do the attack? Or was he in the back parking lot? You know, what's the scenario there? And then also coming from Winchester or coming from Keene, there's all these different scenarios in which this person could show up and therefore could also lead to what was he doing beforehand? that might be able to give some, shed some light onto it. Um, where am I going with this? Yeah, so it's more of a just kind of like the scenario planning, kind of looking at the whole picture of things and going, okay, if let's take that route and see where it goes. So in this case, it was, uh, okay, if we look at Jane's case, got the four spots, we've got sides of the post office, back parking lot, two sides of Route 10. When Jane, when you explain it, you say the car pulls in and parks beside you. Theoretically, that would say, okay, the spot by the post office and the two directions from Route 10 are still viable options for where he came from. The back parking lot near the wood line could have been from back there, but theoretically, you probably would have seen the headlights coming towards you or seen the vehicle coming towards you. Now, it's one of those where we can't officially rule it out because there's no evidence to say it's not. Now, is it possible? It's probably least likely out of the three different spots that he came from. But it's still an option because you can't fully discount it. So it's more of when you look at every every crime scene, in this case in the Connecticut River Valley, I kind of try to use that mindset in particular. In the one case I can say where it kind of worked was the Linda Moore case. Now, when we talked about Linda Moore, I had that thought of what if 
He was out back behind the house along the riverbed, and then he saw her sunbathing and then came up. That's not necessarily a theory I thought that a lot of people would, you know, would agree to. You know, who would think that somebody would just be snooping around backyards to try to find somebody? But then when Jen was able to find the information about the the, twi- yeah. the twigs and the debris mm-hmm. from from the woods being found inside the house. So it was one of those yeah. where kind of like, okay, that gives that scenario more credibility. So then it's, what was he doing back there? Was he yeah. truly hunting? Was it a circumstance that he just happened to stumble upon her? sunbathing because he was out doing whatever fishing or hunting mm-hmm. um so it's definitely that sort of mindset is what i try to bring to it i don't consider myself to be an expert but i do can cons- be able to try to ask the questions and then take that question as far as you can before you hit a roadblock where it doesn't make sense i don't know if that you do a great anything. job with it I definitely went on a tirade but <laughs> that's okay <laughs> i mean you do a great job with it i mean mm-hmm. you have um You've definitely brought things. I, I mean, I've I've known about these cases 30 plus years, and I thought I knew everything about these cases. And then uh, when we started the podcast and Dark Valley came about, I learned way more about, about the cases. And you, Drew, have brought up such credible questions and scenarios about what could have happened or, you know, you you look outside the box. I'm looking in the box and you look totally outside the box. You do an incredible job with, with uh, thinking about different scenarios. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 And I definitely say it's my work background that has helped with that. Cause not only, you know, financial yeah. planning, but I was also a financial planning analysis for research and development team that created industrial printers and industrial lasers mm-hmm. uh, for quite a few years. So And on that, I was actually part of the projects teams as the finance manager. Um, So with that, I would be working with all types of engineers. You'd have the software, electrical engineers that were actually building all this stuff along with the marketing and the sales department. So with that, I would always have to have the full scope of absolutely everything, but also look at the roadblocks that might come about by each individual team member that might not necessarily affect any of the other teams. But from a financial perspective, it might affect the project. So that was always my job was to look at the big picture of things and to always ask those questions to the different engineers. What if this happens? What does it mean? If there's a timing delay marketing department, what's that going to mean? Sales department, there's something going on in the world. How's this going to affect you? So I'd say just definitely bringing just that mindset, which I'd say is a natural mindset for myself into the realm of talking about true crime, Mm -hmm. especially on unsolved true crimes where everybody might think that they know the answer, but if we knew the answer, they wouldn't be unsolved. And same with the Connecticut River Valley. I honestly have no idea who did it. I've never once said that we know who did it. Now we've discounted people based off of either our own kind of investigation or the fact of we know that you've interacted with people. In particular, you know, we've heard some people say Fred Murray is the Connecticut River Valley serial killer. Yeah. Now we know that in it's one of those where it's like we understand where people's mindset is coming from, but what they don't know is the fact that you and Fred have met each other. Yes. You would know if he was you met him and there was obviously zero reaction there. So it's one of those like nobody know nobody really knows much. All we can do is just try to think of the different 
aspects, think of the different scenarios, think about the different things that might have happened, might allow somebody to think of something that they might not have thought of beforehand. Jog their memory a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Amanda. Yeah. Where are we going on vacation? (laughs) Ooh, back to the vacation question. (laughs) I think... One of my biggest bucket list places to make sure and make it to is Italy. So my brother was actually born over in Italy because my father was stationed over there. And um, I've always, he was born in Naples, Italy. I've always wanted to explore multiple places in Italy. But when I think about like the destination place, I'm like, I actually think that I would prefer to do like a Mediterranean like cruise, like, you know what I mean? Something like that to be able to hit multiple places over there, be able to hit, you know, like Sicily and- Greece and yeah you want to you're more of um exploring different lands I am I'm actually like I'm such a I I've been on so many trips um I've been a lot of places I'm a traveler um and while I haven't been to too too many places like in the United States per se I've been to a ton of places in the Caribbean so um I'm definitely a traveler I love going to foreign places I love being immersed in their culture and I think that probably stems from the first place I ever went that was super exotic and foreign was a place called Bonaire I was like 9 years old when I went there and it's an island off the coast of Venezuela it was really impressionable and that like embedded my little love of travel and of going, you know, foreign places. So now see part of my, and and I am going to say part of my PTSD is I cannot leave the country. I'm terrified of leaving Mm -hmm. the country. (laughs) And um, yeah, I've been to Canada, Mm -hmm. no real threats up there. Actually, there's nothing in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Except Montreal can be fun, though. Oh, Montreal can be fun. (laughs) I didn't go there to party, so um, I probably would choose Montreal to go to to party. But um, St. Catherine Street. St. Catherine Street, I was just going to say. I only went to Montreal one, but stayed there. Oh, yeah. I used to frequent (laughs) it. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) So to leave the country, I'm like... uh, go to Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would love to cruise around the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would probably be what I would love to do. I would not go to Mexico. And I hear people go down to Mexico all the time. And I get it's like Costa Rica and it's not the whole where the um, drugs are or anything like that. I, I get that they're down on the coast and it's super safe down there and it's beautiful. I heard mm-hmm. I, yeah, I get is. that, but I, I, I just can't, <laughs> I, can never I get, go. I get um, that. But I, it's understandable, but I am, um, but I would, I would definitely do the, the Caribbean. I would, I've actually been in Mexico on Cinco de Mayo partying. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That was insane. <laughs> It was insane. And we almost missed, we almost missed it. We were on a cruise, me and my best friend, we were on a cruise. I'm pretty sure I was 21 at the time and in Mexico on Cinco de Mayo. Nuts. So nuts. We actually almost missed our, um, get boarding back onto our cruise ship. Wow. We made it though. I guess one of the things that are on my bucket list is going to, um, New Orleans for um, oh me too 
for uh Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would love to experience that once. No, there would be no booby <laughs> joint or anything like that. No, Absolutely that's not the reason not. to go. No. That that's that's I, I have enough beads. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to I'm not down there to collect beads. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. But I would not mind going to um Mardi Gras. That would actually uh, be fun. Experience that one time. Yep. I've always I wanted like to go it. to New Orleans for the, to actually, the, the culture in New yeah. Orleans actually really, really draws me in. And I've actually told you this multiple, multiple times, because I know one of his cousins lives down there. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> Talk we're going to end up going on a, Yeah. Oh my yep. gosh. Yeah. A lot of history down there. What else do I want to know? I've learned so much about you guys just doing this. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Things I didn't know about you guys. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Do you know I became a certified scuba diver at the age of 12? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just start doing random facts. Drew, you got a random fact? Go. <laughs> yeah. Give me random facts. I modeled tuxedos in high school. Yes. It's always that oh, random I fact. That. <laughs> yes. Over over at the um in Brattleboro. Uh, no, Keen, actually. It was, oh, it, was still, it was only in Keene at the time, uh, JPM tuxedos. Yeah, for a prom yep. season, they would always get a couple of local kids to uh, wear tuxedos to school to kind of like advertise it. And if you did that, you would get a free rental. So mm-hmm. me and my buddy yeah. did it for two years. And then I ended up passing it down to my brother and him and his buddy did it for the you know next two years because awesome. they loved it if you were able to come back. Because they looked at it, it's like, yep, they, they would suit you up. And so with that, too, I also did a couple of wedding shows for them, like um, uh, wedding conventions that they would have a couple of people to model the tuxedos. I married a model. One of those very random, did not qualify whatsoever, but I think the suit fit, so that's why it worked. Well, will you stop? <laughs> Goodness. Jesus. Such low self-esteem. Of course, you wouldn't have been modeling it if it didn't fit. <laughs> Exactly. Like if you didn't look good in it, they wouldn't put their product on you. Yep. So I think uh, that's the most random fact about me. Trying to think of, I was bald when I was born, like completely bald, like on my birth certificate. I'm pretty sure my mom told me that my hair color was listed as brown because they assumed that I would have brown hair and then it grew in white. I was completely bald, no hair when I was born, and I look at my hair. <laughs> Holy it's crap! A, it's all right. I was born with a cone head. Yes. <laughs> Nice. And I think once it actually settled down, all it did was just go straight to my nose. Oh, stop. <laughs> you know, nice so side profile there for anybody on the YouTube so you can see. Oh, yeah. you, have a badar, you have a badar nose, that's oh, yeah. for sure. Yep. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Best thing my dad passed How tall are you, Drew? Gigantic fucking beak. <laughs> I'm only 5'9". Yeah, Drew's short. Drew's short. That's a... That's a fact. Dog or cat? Dog. Dog all day long. Dog. They have dog the like multiple dogs. Dog. <laughs> Their dog is My named Jax. And he was he was a rescue. Certainly was. Hey. Yep. Rescued him from um from a rescue place. Um, yep, the rescue place in Connecticut. Yep. They grabbed him from Tennessee. Yep. Ever been arrested? Yes. Yes, but not put into handcuffs. Oh, see, I've been put into handcuffs. Fingerprinted? Yes. Nope. Then you weren't arrested, Drew. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, it's, <laughs> technically, I mean, it was for underage drinking. So I mean, oh, I okay. Go anywhere. All right. Yeah. 
but the cops did like our beer pong table because we took a door off its hinges and put on like just some crates. So <laughs> Dean Wright, he was he found enjoyment in that. <laughs> did your mother know that? She does now. Oh, she yes. does now. No, she she did now because I actually had to go to court for that one. Uh, but she was out of town at the time. They were all on out of time out of town. And it was funny too because right before they left, my mom's like, now because best friend at the time, his mom would have been like the one that I would go to. She was like second mom. And she's like, now remember, if you get in trouble this weekend, Kathy's out of town. You got nobody to call. And I just turned to her and I went, don't worry. I got Uncle Pete on speed dial. We'll get it taken care of. Don't worry. And sure enough, two days later, I had to call my Uncle Pete to come in. <laughs> technically bail me out of the apartment that we were kind of stuck in with the cops. But yeah, no, that was. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now back to our episode. Although cool. nobody can beat Andrew. I mean, um, Marcus's. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I was just going to say. Marcus's DWI. <laughs> yeah. Even though... He says so... fast food my ass. So yeah, he, uh, <laughs> yeah. Marcus. McDonald's, McDonald's even... drive-thru. Mar- <laughs> Mc... Marcus's drive-thru. <laughs> the McDonald's drive-thru ordered his food, got up to the window and fell asleep. <laughs> Passed out. Yeah. And they called the cops and he ended up getting DWI. <laughs> and then it was in the paper and your mother was so mad. I'll never forget that. It was so mad. I just love his response though. Fast food, my ass. They take so long. You can pass out in their drive-thru. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Fair enough. Oh, that's when that's McDonald's it. was open 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was crazy. I just want to know about yeah. my about my arrests and, and fingerprinting and stuff like that too. It actually all happened yeah. before I was 18. So I actually don't have a record. My first time I was arrested, I was I was I just turned 18. Oh wow. Which sucks because then it was on my record. It still is. Yeah. I was arrested for possession of marijuana down in Mass. I had just I turned 18 in May and I was arrested in June. Wow. And um I, I I, I got busted for one little freaking joint. Ugh. It was so stupid. I know people are like, oh, but it's drugs. It's illegal. I, my opinion on marijuana, and I am going to be so candid with this. <laughs> my opinion on marijuana is it should be legalized everywhere. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with it. A matter of fact, okay, I shop for Instacart now. And I was in Bradboro. I, I go to Bradboro to shop. And one of the parking lots that I sit in, because Bradboro, Vermont, it's legal. And they have distilleries over there. Mm-hmm. One of the parking lots that I park at, there's a distillery there. You would not believe the old people that walk in there. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, the other day, this these two little old ladies walked in there. One had a walker and the other one had a cane. Mm-hmm. And they just so proudly walked into that distillery and bought what they needed to buy and and came out. You know what? It's medical use yeah. for most of it. Some of it's recreational, but most of it's rec- uh, medical use. And I think these older people that discriminated marijuana use for so long now that they're being prescribed it, they're realizing that, okay, this isn't really that bad. Now you get into meth, 
and cocaine no. and all that stuff. No, I'm I'm against that. I am against that. Um, I have no issue with marijuana. Yeah, I think people tend to forget too that there's, I mean, when you think about different conditions that exist where people live with like chronic pain too, um, if you have some sort of condition where you have chronic pain um, and have real conversations, you know, with your specialists or with your doctors and stuff like that, a more natural option is most definitely marijuana um, to yeah. definitely help with pain and that sort of thing. Uh, me personally, I actually have a couple of congenital kidney disorders and I deal with pain every day. I have chronic pain every single day. And so instead of going, you know, any sort of, I refuse, you know, opioids and, you know, pain medication and that sort of thing. I just don't like what it does to me or my stomach or, or anything like that, all sorts of adverse effects to it. I'm definitely starting to explore the route of that to actually help manage, you know, my pain. Um, yeah. I think it's a very natural and very effective way to actually manage pain in a non-addictive way. It's always really bugged me. You know, it's always been labeled as a gateway, as a gateway yeah. that leads to something. My personal opinion about the entire situation is that trauma is the gateway that leads to addictive behaviors, period. Not yeah. necessarily one thing leading to another or especially marijuana, you know? Exactly. I think uh, more people have died from the Panera charged lemonade than have died from <laughs> Just marijuana. Just throw that in there for Tim. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Tim, be warned. You're charged lemonade. How many people have actually died from that? Do you remember? I think only two. Oh, okay. But still, it's weird but that still. people are dying from the charged lemonade. Tim, be careful. Don't drink too much. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You guys have anything to add? Do you have anything to ask me? Because I know you know everything about me. But... <laughs> I do want to say one thing from one person to the listeners out there. We do appreciate your support, um, especially for Amanda and I. The last couple of years have been unbelievably tough. Yeah. We both went self-employed May of 2019 for Amanda than myself, September of 2019. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that uh, we did was Amanda went self-employed to start her practice to be a life coach, Reiki master. Mm -hmm. I went self-employed to offer small business bookkeeping as well as get prepared to open up a retail store. Yep. Something that I had been doing since I was in college was selling on eBay and Amazon, you know, secondhand goods. Um, started out with literally a box of books built yeah. my way up to having enough inventory that we were ready to open up a retail store. Yeah. And then the pandemic happened. Yeah. Unfortunately, retail stores, secondhand goods, never recovered. Now, we talked to a number of business owners in our same industry, in our area, yep. and none of them were at their pre-pandemic levels. None. Small businesses, small businesses did not get the funding that these big corporations got because of the pandemic. Not at no, all. And so because of the timing, um, so we did not have any history of our small businesses. So we did not qualify for any of the EIDL, EIDL loans, the SBA loans. And because we didn't have any payroll, we didn't qualify for any of the PPP loans. Yep. So us as newly small business owners, we did not get any assistance from the pandemic whatsoever. And we still obviously continued forward with our businesses because we we're fully invested. I mean, literally our entire life's work 
and everything that we had worked up to was for that thing, was for Amanda's practice, was for my retail store. It was something that we were both great at. It was kind of in our niche. And, um, you know, we wanted to get out of the corporate finance environment. So we're like, you know what, let's just try to do it on our own. We built up so much knowledge and, you know, how to run stuff, how to run businesses that we did it. And unfortunately, we were, you know, behind the ball from day one. We never recovered. We started to see an uptick and then the Ukraine war happened. Now, some people might be like, okay, what effect does that have? Instantly, the uh, the price of gas went through the roof. And we, as our small business, stopped seeing anybody from out of state. Nobody started to travel. And then around the same time, it's also when the electricity rates doubled. And I mean, we would be sitting there and there was this one old lady that came in looking for candles because she could not afford to keep her lights on during the evenings with the rate rise uh, for electricity. So we tried like hell to get through that. So even while we were starting this podcast with Jane, because we knew the importance of giving Jane a platform. I mean, I've known Jane my whole life and I knew that she just needed to tell her story in her way and to try to get it out there to see if there would be some resolution to the case that she had been through. And we knew the importance of that, but also knew that it was just going to be out of a project of love and support that we weren't going to be making any money off of it. We're hoping it takes off. (laughs) We're hoping that we're going to see, you know, the Dark Valley numbers, but unfortunately we just haven't. But so I do want to just let the listeners know that thank you for for supporting us, but also Mm -hmm. to to also take that in the back of your minds of it might not be a perfect project or podcast. We might not be doing everything that you want to hear, but there has been so much going on on the back end with our other jobs and careers that we're just trying to survive. I know we've been talking about um, the rally and that there was going to be a documentary associated with it. I unfortunately have only been able to invest a little bit amount of time into actually putting together the documentary, mainly because I'm so much time and focus is being put on hustling just to try to survive with our other side projects, you know, with the store closing. All right, I had to do something with my life and it's kind of like trying to do as much online, trying to get more bookkeeping clients, you know, and luckily I have been able to get some more. But um, oh, any listeners out there, if you're a small business owner looking for a bookkeeper, definitely reach out. I will I will help you. I will take care of you. It's my specialty. But um, I just do want to say thank you for supporting us and for the kind feedback because this has been very, very hard and trying times for for all of us. Yeah. Um, but we can say firsthand, you know, you listening to us, it has destroyed our lives, Amanda and I in particular. Um, this pandemic took absolutely everything that we had and that we've worked, worked for. And we went from being corporate finance, you know, borderline executives to trying to live that American dream, trying to make your life better. And then it just get all taken away with no fault of our own. So I do want to just say thank you. I hope you're understanding and I hope you do continue to support us. But yeah, just so you know that we all understand that these times have affected everybody and it still is affecting a lot of people. And I don't want people to forget that. Yes, it's in our rear view. We haven't been hearing about the pandemic for you know a year and a half or whatever. But there are some people that are still being affected by it and might never recover. Yeah. The effects are definitely long lasting and what's happening with the inflationary environment with the economy too, just isn't, isn't actually helping anybody or anybody that really experienced a lot of adverse effect from the pandemic. 
And we can actually make sure and actually put a, Drew, you mentioned the documentary. We can actually make sure in, in the description of this episode, make sure and put up the um, GoFundMe to actually help um, yeah. support the funding for the documentary too. I'm sure all of you guys can understand that in order to actually spend some time and actually focus on getting that documentary out, we just need a little bit of help with the funding for that production. So we'll put that in the comments and and please, if you can, go ahead and donate to it. And even if you can't, share it, you know, help us share it and get the word out yeah, about exactly. it. Um, because really what we just want to do is make sure and get a visual representation out there of the advocacy work, you know, what happened and what's occurring in the state of New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, with that, exactly. I was not only just footage of the rally, but I also was able to have a sit down with with Jane, with Julie Murray, with Chloe French, Val. also Val, um, yeah. and ask them just some questions that might not necessarily have been asked before. I know that I've asked, I asked Julie a question that she hadn't been asked before. So I'm excited um, for people to, to hear her response and stuff like that. So it is definitely a project that I'm still, still working on. I'm just unfortunately not able to invest as much time as I would like to just with everything else that's kind of going on in our lives right now. Thank you guys for being so candid with all that. Um, it's tough for me to watch you guys struggle because it's like, you guys are like my kids. <laughs> and I mean, if I could, and I've said this to you before, I wish I could fix everything with you guys. A lot of small businesses struggle, especially with the pandemic. And anybody tells you, okay, the pandemic's over, stop using it for an excuse. You, you don't even know what you're talking about. You haven't experienced a real hit from the pandemic like some right. of these small businesses have. So you have no idea. Um, we do not make money off this podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not rich. Like no. a couple of weeks ago, I went shopping at a discount store, ran into two <laughs> fans, and they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you're stop shopping at Mr. G's." Yeah, I don't make money. <laughs> we don't make money with this podcast. Right. We really don't. But you can help us. So there's there's a couple of things that that you can help us with. One, share our podcast. Absolutely. You know, we're trying to uh, up our game a little bit with the um, social media, and um, because we all we all work jobs, mm -hmm. and so multiple jobs, <laughs> and, and multiple jobs, yeah. <laughs> and and doing this podcast, it isn't just about sitting in front of a microphone and speaking and then you know hit the record button and then hit the record button off and then we're done it's not that these guys spend enormous amount of hours editing especially my my shit um <laughs> but they they spend an enormous amount of time editing it, it's podcasting is not easy and i've heard a lot of people say oh i thought i just you know jump on and and start a podcast and it's not easy. Mm -hmm. um, so there are a few things you could do to help us. One, share our podcast. Mm -hmm. um, two, like our pages, mm -hmm. uh, where we're TikTok, where Instagram, Instagram is it? Yep. Um, and we are on Facebook, like our, like our pages. Mm -hmm. um, subscribe mm -hmm. to our podcast. Subscribing, what it does is even if you don't listen to a, a episode 
or a full episode, it's still down. It gives us a download. Mm -hmm. And that's what helps us with our audience Mm -hmm. is um, the downloads. Mm -hmm. Did I describe that right? Did I say that right? Yeah, it's free. It's free to subscribe to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what it does is when when you subscribe um, to the podcast, like you said, it on it essentially automatically like downloads our episode, and like you said, on our end, it actually gives us a download. It makes it convenient for you. You never miss one of our episodes, mm-hmm. and based off of the the amount of downloads that a podcast has, that actually directly correlates and relates to our advertising too. Now we know that advertising can actually be a little bit annoying for those of you listening, but just remember from the podcast perspective, advertising revenue is actually how we get paid. So, um, so we, you know, we try to be mindful of it and just understand that because this isn't free to us. Yeah. Oh no. Podcasting (laughs) is not, it costs us money. Yes, it does. To do the podcast and get the podcast out to you guys. Yeah. Um, This is not free to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to pay to get the podcast out to you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So so that you know that, you know, keep that in mind, too. Giving us a rating on any of the platforms, either on Apple or Spotify, would actually it actually really helps our algorithms, too. So if you guys are loving it and you haven't rated us yet on either one of those platforms, please go ahead and go do it. You can even write comments to like some sort of review, but make sure you give us, you know, five stars out on any of those um, platforms that we're on. Also, we have merch. Just so you're aware, click into our link tree that's in the episode description of each of our episodes, and it'll directly bring you to our website where you can actually support us and and buy merch, buy Invisible Tears merch. We have some awesome designs out there and a huge variety too. Yes. Yes. Jessica has done a wonderful job with a lot of those designs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And help support Drew with the um, docu documentary because i think uh, i mean him and and obs was they they were like amazing that day that weekend actually Mm -hmm. or that that couple of days and uh they got a lot of a lot of good content yeah that they just need a little bit of financial help putting together Mm -hmm. so if you can um we'll put his gofundme up on our page Mm-hmm. Up on Facebook. It'll be in the episode description too. Five dollars, ten dollars, yeah. anything like that helps. Share it. Mm-hmm. Even if you share his GoFundMe. Oh my God, that helps so much. Yeah, it does. Um, some other up-to-date news. We have ordered Bernice's stone, and we will be doing a podcast. I want to try and get Jen on. Um, we're gonna do an episode on that uh, with more details. I don't have a definite date on when the stone will come back and when they'll be installing it, but it will be soon uh, as long as we don't get 20 feet of snow. We have done that. We're gonna do an episode on that. Uh, I'd like to make some plans uh, to do a vigil or um, something, mm-hmm. uh, a get together. Um, to see the stone we're definitely gonna um document seeing the stone uh, um pictures and everything when the stone comes in i'm I'm super excited about that so that's that's a little update of ours um what else we got do we have anything else i don't think i don't think so actually 
Well, I just want to thank you guys. This was this was so fun. It was nice to get away from the the true crime uh, stuff today and uh, really get to know you guys, uh, have a little fun. Um, hopefully people can see our personalities a little yeah. bit more. <laughs> yeah. I just want to thank you guys. Thank I you, thank Jane. You guys all the time. You guys just, I, I can't sit here with this microphone <laughs> on YouTube and um, I couldn't do it without you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody that supports us um, and listens to our podcast. Thank you. Everybody that follows us on, on, uh, social media. Thank you. Thank you for all the private messages. Sometimes it takes us a few minutes or a little bit of time to wow. get to them. That was another thing I wanted to mention. Me and Amanda and Drew all are administrators of <laughs> one platform. And sometimes when we get messages in, I'll see it, but I want to leave it there so Amanda and Drew can see it. And then we usually um, talk and one of us responds to the private messages. We, it's really hard sometimes um, when there's three of us. I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to respond until Amanda sees it or Drew sees it. And then I'll respond to the email or sometimes, or the message. Sometimes Amanda jumps in and she just responds to the messages <laughs> Be patient with us. Trust yeah. me, everything that comes in, we see. Mm -hmm. We absolutely see. One of us, at least one of us sees everything that comes in. We don't always respond as well as we should. And I will admit that we are going to get better with that. <laughs> we apologize. But we do appreciate the private messages. We appreciate you guys following us. And... um we hope you guys continue to. Yeah, and that very well might just be, there'll be some times where a message will come in and it'll just take us a couple of days for the three of us to kind of get together, talk about the newest message. Yeah. What does it yeah. mean? Does it have to get passed on yeah. to Officer McLaughlin? Does it have to go to the AG? Yeah. Or is it something internal? So, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because we don't see each other every day. Mm -mm. I mean, lately it's been like once a week, once every two weeks. Yeah. So we really don't see each other that often. We do a lot of texting and, mm -hmm. and FaceTiming, but we don't we don't literally are in the same room very much at all. Right. So um just so you know and you guys have that, you know, that bit of info. Yeah. So so if there's nothing else, I'm gonna close out. Thank you again for your support. Thank you again. Share, share, share us. Please subscribe to us. Get your friends, your family, anybody. Help us out a little. I would love to see our Facebook hit a thousand uh, followers or a thousand likes. Um, that would be awesome. Uh, we're working on that. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Getting to Know Us or Getting to Know mm -hmm. June and Amanda. I just love them so much. And um, until next time. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. 
If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15-minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.